one of the, the greatest things I ever learned was from being taught the wrong way. So I realized when I first got saved and got into the church that although the church was the place that supposedly represented Christ, I realized that there was a lot of people that didn't act like him. And it was confusing to me. And then when I started hanging around preachers, I even got way more confused. And then I have this understanding that there are foundational truths that you have to have in order to be an effective Christian. And I realized that a lot of people went to church, but they never became the church. Are you listening to me? They would go to church, but you know he never told us to go to church. He told us to be the church. Are you understanding? We, we got used to these buildings and lost some kind of accountability for what he expects of us. And so knowing and going through the scriptures has to be more than a history lesson. Are you listening? Because most people read the Bible, and when they read the Bible, it's about a history. It's about what somebody else did. Are you listening to me? So we, we have goals. There are things that we come together as the church to have one mind and one accord. How many of you are thankful that the sound is better? Right? I had people that would complain and complain, and I would just say, just give us time. It takes money. Write me a check. <laughs> so you're looking at uh, what we've got coming in, about $17,000 that we've spent to correct stuff, to get stuff. If you add the other 10 that we bought for the board, you, you're looking at... You know, 20 some thousand dollars. It just doesn't fall out of the sky. And if I got somebody complaining, but they ain't giving, say it for me, brother. I have some, see, he can say it and get away with it. I'm like, give me, cut me some slack here. If, if I had, if, if, listen, me and my wife are givers. Check my tithing record. Check my giving record. We are givers. So I'm like, I, I, I'm trying to do. My, my little girl's expensive too. <laughs> Lisa was this morning. She was like, oh my Lord, I'd be so glad when Jeremy cuts my hair. She's talking about hair. You know, the first thing I was thinking, that's a hundred bucks, woman. <laughs> right? And, and so the concept of a, a church that is going somewhere has to, has to be beyond somebody just staying up here and spending their time trying to get money from somebody. That's why I don't do it. I figured if the Lord doesn't build the house, there's no need for me to try. 
Are you, are you listening to me? How many of you know I mean what I say? I do. I, I mean what I say. And, and, and so when you find a group of people that have that heart, that have one mind, and they want to go somewhere, giving is not an issue. It just shouldn't be. And it shouldn't be because of a legalistic law. You should not give to God because you're afraid he will send you to hell for not paying your tithe. I, I, I hate that kind of preaching. I, I think if you're going to give, you should give. And, and, and listen, it shouldn't be to this. You give. What you give is your business. Right? I mean, God's a big enough God where he can speak to all of us. Right? And, and if the Lord has blessed you, then you should be a blessing. Right? And other than that, it's, you know, the church should be the most peaceful place on the planet. I think the church is a beautiful place. Come on. You know why it's so beautiful? Look around you. Look. It's a beautiful place. It's, it's a wonderful place. But how do you get to this point where you begin to start ministering to people? So I'm, I'm going to read some scripture because I, I don't want you to miss it because there's a foundational truth that we have to start with and and I'll, I'll show it to you because you remember you get saved they shove a bible at you you know they tell you be baptized be baptized in the spirit start paying your tithes stop doing all these other kinds of things next thing you know they're trying to push you to get involved right and sometimes they push people to get involved that have have a lot of issues then they get disappointed because they can't live up to everybody else's expectations right and so it shouldn't be that way listen to this so now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular keep going though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity. Now say this with me. Uh, so that I could remove mountains. I, I, I what? I, I don't have what? Anything. So when you start looking at the scripture. And it, it goes. Go back to verse 27. And I want you to keep right on going until I tell you to stop. So verse 28. The whole concept of Paul speaking here is to get people to understand that it's different. Uh, that there is this process. He begins to go through all of this process by giving explanations that we're, we're all members of the body. Everyone in particular. And listen, and God have set some in the church, first apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, government, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. But covet earnestly the best gifts and yet I'll show you a more excellent way. What is that way? So in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, listen to what he says. Because the, the Bible, this was a story that 
kept right on. It wasn't like it was separated. He said, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. And listen, this seems like a very spiritual person. You remember going to revivals and, man, there were healing lines. There was miracles, miracle night, all these kinds of things. Here the scripture is saying, hey, I could give all my stuff to the poor. I could sacrifice, beat my body black and blue. But there's a foundational truth. Paul said, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. He said, I have all this faith so that I can rule mountains and I don't have any charity. He says, I am nothing. Look, and though I bestow all my goods, and though I give tons of money to the Emory's place, and though I give my body to be burned, but I don't have any charity, he said, it doesn't profit me anything. Can I tell you that doing religious things doesn't prosper you? Are you listening? Going through the motions of all of these things or, or not the foundational truths of the church. Because without this foundation, it doesn't mean anything. I, I've watched people spend their whole life in church and still don't get it. Listen, if you're, if you're 80 years old and somebody sits in the seat that you are used to sitting in, and you don't slide over and you look and say, this is my seat. You have been in church way too long to have not learned anything. Because you should know you are about to get ready to die. And it would be better for you to minister to the person that's sitting in your seat than looking at them like you own it. I would see people speak in tongues and run and jump. But then if somebody had a failure in their life, would be the first ones to start gossiping. So how does the church get so messed up? Because I want to tell you that my job here is, is not to manage you. It's, it's not to pacify you. It is to get you ready for the purpose that God has called you for. Because each one of you make up the members of the body of Christ. Each one of you individually. My job is to push you toward your purpose. It is to help you to understand that the foundational truth of everything that's going to be important in your life. Is based on Jesus Christ and not on cultured Christianity. It's a very important lesson because there's, there's a transformation that takes place when you hear that truth and that truth makes you free. Listen, it doesn't set you free. It makes you free. The only thing in life that sets your, 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 yourself free is your obedience to that truth. I have told the people truth before that they have rejected. 
but they were made free. They were made free. You can reject the truth, but you are made free. That's why the Bible says that you are without excuse. Because you can know the truth. That truth makes you free. In, in here, he, he says, listen, it profited me nothing. Now listen, who? I said, Lord, have mercy. Have. I'm like, charity suffereth long and is kind. It envieth not. Charity, it doesn't vaunt itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. It's not easily provoked. What are you talking about, Lord? Thinketh no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. I said, have mercy. It beareth all things. It believeth all things. It hopeth all things. It endureth all things. I'm like, oh, my gracious. I am so far behind. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, ooh, they shall, they shall, they shall fail. They're going to fall. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, when, when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. One of the first revelations that I begin to understand that God was more interested in how I represented him than he was with the Bible that I was trying to shove down people's throats. Are you listening? And, and I realized as, as I watched characteristics uh, 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 around me that, that we left the foundation because the true foundation of the real power of the gospel is, is not, yes, apostles and prophets and you saw miracles and, 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 and healings and all of these things are, are part of it and they should be part of it and it is great when the body comes together and, and it's all done for the right reasons but I want to tell you that the, the majority of miracles and the majority of healings are not with inside of this bricks and stone they're right there in your own families at the stores and when you're out somewhere and you're ministering on your own and not trying to just just drag people to church. Because the best way to get somebody to come to church is to be the church. Listen, when you start speaking into people's lives, when you, when, when you yourself become an effective minister, they will want to know where do you go worship. Right? They want to know more about you. Because there's a difference when you begin to minister to people in the right way. And one of the first things I realized is that the, the, the love that I was looking at, I was lacking. Why are you so silent? I was lacking. Man, I, was, I, still, I still had kill mode in me sometimes. Right? I, I, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm full, but sometimes it ain't of Jesus. 
right? I'm realizing that I'm not as quick to forgive, right? I'm realizing there's some stuff that was going on inside of me. And I want to tell you, to be an effective leader, to be an effective person, you have to walk in the characteristics of Christ. And listen, it is not the Bible that you shove down people's throat. It's not the words that you say because Paul sums it up and says to be a living epistle to be read by all people. And I realized that, wow, there was some cruelty that I saw in the church that should never be there, right? The process of yeah, apostles and all these things, they're, they're, they're wonderful. But, but listen, I, 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 I listen to sermon after sermon. Man, I know what Abraham did, Moses, David. I, I heard sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon. But then in the community... Or in people's lives, I never saw it in action. So this is where I began to start some programs. Where I started bringing people in. Mayor giving me buses and I'm feeding the homeless and going overseas and setting missions. And listen, I'm like, you know, before I take, you know, 45 teenagers and and, and we ever go back to Ecuador on a sightseeing tour, I'm going to do a missions right here in the city. So I took the gym and, and, and had about 40 kids. And what I did is I set up missions in the city. Went to the projects. Talked to all the people. Got their kids. Told them I had a free skate night for them. So I got the, I got the, I got the, I got all the hoodlums I could, I could get. Yes, I did. Took them all down to the skating ring, went and picked them up. Listen, knocked on doors, knocked on doors, got the van, the bus, everything like that. And, 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 and the first couple places we went, didn't see anybody. And then when we rounded the corner, Lord have mercy, 60, 70 kids standing there waiting. Let me, let me tell you something. If you truly want to minister, there is a way. There is a way. You've just got to find the people who are willing to give the time and the effort. You ain't listening to me. You've got to find the people who are willing to give that time and effort that are not so busy that they cannot give the kingdom its due reward. That's the hard thing. Jesus even said it. The harvest is plenteous. The laborers are few. Because let me tell you something. Ministry is hard work. It could, it could be that way. When, when I picked all those kids up, what a beautiful thing it is. They skate. Everything was free. It was all paid for. And then right in the middle in the process of that, we just bring them all together and we pray a beautiful prayer over their life. Let me tell you something. That's a... That's a wonderful process, a wonderful thing to be a part of. I want to tell you something. That instead of coming to church and listening to me talk about history, how about us making some history? Come on. Come on, talk to me. 
Instead of us talking about history, about what Abraham and Moses and everybody else accomplished, what do you want to accomplish as the body of Christ right here, right now? What do you want to do? What do you want to be known for as a church? What's the process? What's the goal? Because it can't be just coming to church. Come on, talk to me. Right? What do you want to be known for? That's, that's, the, that's, that's the key. Is to have something in your heart that goes beyond just this cultured Christianity that just keeps people coming and coming but never accomplishing anything. Well, I think we're doing really good. I think we've accomplished some great things. Look. Look at the feeding center you've been. Look at the orphanage. Look, look at the whale. Look at the electricity. Look at the image. So, so we're moving, but listen, you can never ever just get satisfied, satisfied by what you've already accomplished. There is so much more. Are you ready? It's, it's a hard thing. Listen, when you gather at church, there has to be this process where We say that Jesus Christ is the same today as he was yesterday. And everything that we are about has to be where we're getting to the place where we are properly ministering to people. I want you to take a look at your neighbor. Somebody helped them. Somebody helped them. Somebody was an influence in their life. Think think about the person Who was that influence in your life? Think about who they were. How you got here. Think about that. Think about who those people were that spoke into your life. That gave you maybe a a hope that, that life could be better. There's this process that when you are first coming into the church that... One of the hardest things for me was getting people to to get past some of the things that they were taught. Because the hardest thing that I've ever faced is breaking the religious spirit that is on the church. That was a hard thing. I remember when the bishop asked me to start doing care groups. My first words to him was, you about to get me killed. Because we had a ton of senior adults in the church. I'm like, you're going to get me killed. And he says, I want you to look out. I want you to form at least six groups right now. He says, and take care of it. Handle it. We're going to do it. And I remember this very prominent guy in the church. Man, and the bishop made a decree that if you were going to be a leader in the church, you had to attend care groups. Let me tell you something, people. You think Donald Trump's media is bad. (laughs) Buddy, some of them are coming after me with a vengeance. And so I remember one of those prominent ones, and, and then when the decree was, if you're a leader, you have to be involved. These leaders that just totally despised, did not want to do care groups, Then you're faced with, do you set them down? Because they're not following the vision. I was like, have mercy. Praise God. 
shield me, Lord. And so I asked the Lord to give me wisdom. So I remember talking to this guy, and he was like, I'm against it. I'm against it. He said, Ben, why in the world would you cut out a Sunday night service? And I'm like, we're not cutting out Sunday night service. He said, well, yes, you are. I'm like, no, we're not. I'm like, we're, we're just going to meet into some people's homes. He says, well, that's not Sunday night service. I'm like, listen, you know, back in the day, they went from house to house. He said, well, that ain't the way I was raised. And I'm like, listen, I'm like, how long have you been saved? He said, I've been saved 40 years. I'm like, how long have you been married? He said, I've been married almost 50 years to the same woman. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, you know, there's a lot of young men like myself that could probably learn from you. Been saved for 40 years. Married for almost 50 years. I'm like, you know, a lot of young couples are hurting. And I'm like, why wouldn't you want the opportunity to maybe speak into some people's lives? And I'm like, that's what the care group will allow you to do. You might just be the influence that helps someone. Maybe there's a relationship night and someone says, well, hey, sir, been married for almost 50 years. Tell us how you managed to keep your mouth shut the whole time. I didn't, he didn't really, but I just threw that in there. That was funny. You got to admit that was funny. Right? And so I'm like, why don't you just consider thinking that this is an opportunity that will allow you and your wife to speak into someone's life? I'm like, how many times have you had the chance to speak into someone's life on Sunday night when all you do is come and listen? I want him over. I want him over. And so then one by one, I started trying to win him over. Most of them I was successful with. One cantankerous old lady. <laughs> she was a diehard. And so what we did is we were smart enough to say, well, let's start a care group and, and we'll have it at church, right? And so we had all these people come to church, but we didn't do it in the sanctuary. We did it in one of the side rooms, the green room. And so I remember when I saw her coming up the hall, she was looking at me. She said, I still don't like it, but I'm here. <laughs> and I, I thought to myself, Wow, when y'all started this church, we should have been reading from Corinthians first. Because if we'd have been reading from Corinthians first, we'd have understood that the first foundation that Christ wants us to get right is the way that we love and the way that we treat people. Are you, are you listening? Because without that understanding, you, you might not even realize just how bad the culture affects you. I want to show you something before we go anywhere. Luke 9, verse 52 through 55. 
And listen, this was, Jesus is getting ready to go to Jerusalem. So he sends his disciples on up above. And listen, they go into Samaritan. And, and everybody here is Samaritans. Jesus needs a place to stay. Now listen. And he sent messengers before his face, and they went and they entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them. We'd do it just like Elias did. But he turned and he rebuked them and said, you don't know what manner of spirit you are of. Do you know that Years and years of being under the Pharisees' rule, under the Sadducees' rules, under judgment, under this harsh, under no mercy, no compassion. Listen, these were people hanging around Jesus, the real Jesus. But had culturally adapted that same kind of mindset Because if you're not careful, you can use the Bible as a weapon against people. You want me to call down fire? I'll light them up. (laughs) These, These guys were like, on go. Say the word. We will burn them up. I've met people like that before. It's like, wow, so quick to like want to kill somebody. I'm like, have mercy. I'm like, really? And, 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 and so I, I want to tell you that, that sometimes even subtle, you don't realize just how much there can be racism in your own life. Huh? Sometimes you don't realize just how much Culture that you've allowed to come in your life that has nothing to do with the characteristics of Christ. I want to tell you, who wants to be the greatest minister alive? Where are you? See, that's the problem. Which of you want the anointing so strong that you are affecting people's lives not every once in a while but every day of your life when you get up that there's this this fire inside of you that says hey if I can help somebody today that'll be a beautiful thing because until you catch on fire you're going to be just as cold as you are until it's a part of you a passion I mean it's driving and it's striving inside of you until you want it more than anything else It's like the guy that says he wants to learn. So how do you learn? So the guy says, meet me at the beach. He says, what's the beach got to do with it? He said, I'll tell you when you get here. So as the guy comes and he says, walk out into the water with me. And so the guy walks out. He says, walk a little deeper. He says, walk out more. He said, walk a little. And now he's up to the water in his neck. So he grabs the guy right by the head. He shoves his head down in the water. 
And the guy starts struggling. He can't breathe. And he's struggling and he's struggling and he's struggling and he's struggling. Is the guy going to kill me? He's holding him down. He's holding him down. And right about the moment where he starts taking him water, he yanks him up. He says, when you want it as bad as you want that breath, he said, that's when you'll be on your way. Jesus said, those that hunger and those that thirst are the ones that are filled. Are you listening? What I look at sometimes is a lot of satisfied people. They're satisfied where they are spiritually. That's why you stay where you are at. Are you listening? To want more, you have to have a hunger for it. Got to have a drive for it. And let me tell you something. If God sees that hunger, if he sees that drive, he will open up opportunities to every last one of you to minister to lost and broken people. Smile at me. I should make you stand up and do jumping jacks because some of you, you just look like. Hmm? Yeah, there's this process. I, I can remember... Some of the moments where I started losing my anger and I, I started forgiving. It was life transforming for me. I didn't realize how much unforgiveness I had inside of me. I knew I liked choking people, but I didn't know I liked it that much. Hold it just a little longer. No. Can I tell you that he, he knows that you have issues? And he knows that those issues can't be solved in your life by you just having uh, religious symbols in your life. Let me tell you something. When the Spirit of the Lord begins to deal with you, he begins to change you from the inside to the outside. Not the outside to the inside. So you can dress up. Listen. You can put a beautiful pink dress on a pig. But at the end of the day, he's still a pig. Right? Right? Jesus called it white sepulchers. It's like you're so pretty on the outside, but on the inside, you were having issues. Jesus, as he got to the Pharisees' home in Luke 7, verse 36 through 50, we, we see that he gets to this place, this home, and this lady who has come, she has a reputation. Most scholars believe that this was Mary Magdalene, the one that Jesus cast all these spirits out. And as she comes in, the story tells us and gives us insight that she comes behind Jesus and she, she kneels and she begins to cry. And she washes his feet with her tears. She dries it with the hairs of her head. She takes the anointment, the oil, and she places on his feet. And when the Pharisee saw it, he said, this man can't be a prophet. Because if he were a prophet, he would know what manner of woman that's touching him. She's a sinner. She's a good sinner. 
And so as they are critiquing and Jesus is sitting at me, he says to Simon, he says, I, I, got, I got something to say to you. And he begins to give the story. He says, there's two men, they're creditors. One owes 500 bucks, the other one owes 50. But he just freely forgave them both. He said, which one of these men are going to be more appreciative, going to love more? He said, I suppose to the one that you forgave more. He said, you've answered right. And I, I love this language that Jesus says. You know that Jesus spoke these words and says, I'm telling you. You, you, you ever had somebody say, are you asking me or are you telling me? You look at the words of Jesus. Jesus says, I'm telling you. He goes on. He, 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 he says, this woman, from the time she has got in here, she has kissed my feet, washed them with her tears, dried them with her hair, hasn't ceased from kissing my feet. He says, and I'm telling you, her sins are forgiven. He didn't say, he said, I'm telling you, her sins are forgiven. You want to be an effective leader, an effective minister. You want to effectively minister to people. Then I want to say something to you. The Pharisee concentrated on the woman's sins. Jesus concentrated on the woman's kiss. He said, you see this woman? From the time I got in here, she has kissed my feet. How do you tell a religious spirit from the spirit of Christ? One will concentrate on your sins. The other one will concentrate on your kiss. Are you listening? People are hurting. And you know, you don't have to tell somebody, you're a sinner. You know that? Did anybody have to tell you you were a sinner? Huh? No, you pretty much knew, right? Jesus concentrated on the woman's kiss to the extent that he said to a group of religious people, her sins are forgiven. That has always just been something that stuck out to me because I remember that in order to join the church, sometimes you had this ideology that people said you got to be saved. They won't let you in the club unless you're saved. Are you listening? You got to be saved. And then I look at Zacchaeus' life as Jesus is walking by and he sees him in the tree and he says, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I need to go to your house. And Zacchaeus was a thief. I want you to understand that Jesus came to save sinners. So go get them. Somebody said, did it have to be saved to come to church? Look at your neighbor. That should answer your question. <laughs> did it have to be holy rollers? Look at your other neighbor. <laughs> did they have to look excited to come to church? Look at everybody right now. <laughs> no. You just got to have a want to. 
You got to have a want to. I'm telling you, you've got to move past the culture and get into an atmosphere that when you wake up every day, you realize that this is a day that the kingdom is calling people. And it's a beautiful day. It's a wonderful, wonderful day to know that God is just moving in your life and the spirit of the Lord is moving in your family's life, moving in your friend's life, moving in people's lives. And, and, and listen, each one of us is responsible. Maybe it's not the most exciting thing for people to hear because you know what? This kind of preaching makes you accountable for how you live your life. And let me tell you something, sir. If all you do is get up and go to work, go to work, go to work, come home, eat your supper, eat your supper, eat your supper, get up and live life like that, and then you wind up showing up here on Sunday morning, I'm telling you as an anointed man of God that it is not enough. It's not enough. That doesn't make you a Christian. To be a Christian, you have to be Christ-like. Like you. So into the Showing up at church, it is being the church. Good God Almighty, that's some good preaching. Yes, it is. It sure is. It's some good preaching. I'm having a hard time. I don't know. Are they taking it all in, Lord? Huh? Is it too much? I know you said desire to send sincere milk of the word, but let me tell you something. Some of them got to get off of it. I mean, it don't look right walking around grown with a diaper still on, sucking on a bottle. Come on, talk to me. Right? Some of you, you've been spoiled. Been in church all your life. Been around church all your life. So you're dull. I'm telling you, as your pastor, you're dull. And I don't see the light in some of your faces the way that it should be. I don't see the joy on you, the joy of your salvation, the way that it should be. And my job is to tell you that. It is your job to either receive that truth or reject that truth. But I'm telling you, I look at some of your faces and I don't see the light that I want to see. And it's because there's no fire burning inside you. And some of you need to repent. You need to fall on your knees and find yourself at the feet of a loving Savior who died for you and shed his blood. And there's not one single solitary person under the sound of my voice that shouldn't be humble enough to lay at the Lord's feet. Because I'm telling you, the key to your freedom the key to everything about your life changing is how you worship. How you give that worship to the Lord. You ain't got to know anything. Let me tell you, I fried my brains to the extent where I would black out. So, so don't you tell me that he can't enlighten you. He can't touch you because I am a living, proven witness that God can do the miraculous Yes, I am. He can touch you. And no, I'm not some Bible scholar. 
I'm about like I'm about like Peter. He said, "Who do men say?" And I'm like, I didn't know whether I needed to be baptized in Jesus' name only to follow Son, the Holy Ghost, all the disciples, everybody, because they were confusing the daylights out of me. But one thing I know is that Jesus Christ was the Son of the Living God. And let me tell you something: I had to figure out the other stuff because of their confusing me. So then I just got baptized in everybody's name and I took care of it. <laughs> True. I got the card to prove it. I'm like, just in case, let me get this one too. It's true. I got baptized so many times that when I walked down to the river, the frog said, I know him. Well, there he come again. <laughs> Had to get it right. When you read the Bible, you read the Bible for relationship. You read it because it's God's word that's speaking to you, that's giving you insight. You don't read it to memorize it. You read it to live it and to eat it. So that it becomes part of you. And then in your times of trouble, you won't have to worry about the peace of God. Because the Bible is perfectly clear that whosoever keepeth his mind stayed on the Lord, he shall give them perfect peace. How many of you could use some peace in your life? First hmm? Peter 4, 8, and I'm closing. I love this scripture. He says, and above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. One translation says, above all things, have love for one another. Then it says these powerful words. I remember a blowhard wannabe came to tell me what was wrong with me. He said, Pastor... You don't preach about sin. And I'm like, excuse me? He's like, you don't preach about sin. He said, you're not balanced. He said, I don't hear you talking about sin. And he said some things to me that I just let him talk. And at the end of my conversation, because he wanted to call somebody out. He wanted to point a finger at somebody. I wasn't in agreement. So I simply said these words. Love covers, my man. It covers reason why I don't preach about sin is because if I have something to say to somebody and it's got to that point I'll go see them myself and I'll try to be as humble as I can as I approach that person and if they'll let me we'll work it out and if I feel like I can't then I will call for my elders 
we'll sit down together. But my first responsibility is to cover. Is to cover. Do you know that Jesus covers us all? And ain't you glad? What good is exposing people and never ministering to them? The church should be a safe place. Your home should be a safe place. And people are ready to be ministered to. Because there's a lot of trouble out there. And can I tell you that the kingdom needs you? It needs you. It needs you. You say, well, I'm nothing special. Ain't none of us. But each one of us belong to this body. This beautiful thing called the body of Christ. And I want to tell you that if you have a willing heart, that God will send the lost and the broken people to you. If you're ready to minister, if you're ready to move beyond and to go further in life, and to take the gift that God has placed within inside of you, to no matter who's pushing you and pushing you, yes, yes I am, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying, but I won't be there in the morning. I wish I could be in your pocket. You can hit a little recorder and, and the recorder will say, Get busy. That day is the kingdom day. Hallelujah. Just wake you up. Some of you will get up in the morning and you'll be struggling. But can you motivate yourself? Can you be like David? Can, whenever, when it seems like everybody's trying to kill you, can you get up and can you encourage your own self in the Lord? But sometimes it takes it. If I was waiting on other people to encourage me, Lord have mercy. Sometimes you got to build it up yourself. Father,